Welcome to episode 11 of Lyrics for Lunch. This is Zelda. And Jermaine. This week we're going to be doing the song Pretty and Afraid by Jadena. Um, the song was produced by Roman Gian Arthur and it was written by Saku, Nana Kwabena, Roman Gian Arthur, and Jadena. So, just a little background on the producers and those writers. Um, Roman Gian Arthur is someone who is part of Janelle Monet's Wonderland Arts Collective. Um, and he has worked on some other Jadena songs as well, so he's not new to, he's not a new name to hear in a production or as a writer for a Jadena song. Um, he's also collaborated with Janelle Monet as well. Um, and Nana Kwabena, um, from Genius, I was able to find that she's a Ghanaian American. She's a producer from Cleveland and she's also part of Janelle Monet's Wonderland um, Arts Collective as well. Saku I was not able to really find much on. It was kind of hard to just find some like a quick snippet of info. Um, and then Jadena of, was also of course signed and introduced by Janelle Monet and is part of her um, collective as well. He was born and raised in Nigeria for part of his life and then his family moved over to the US and Pretty and Afraid comes off of his second album which is 85 to Africa. Um, so that's just some background on the song itself and what kind of came into just writing it and making it. Um, as usual we used Genius to find the lyrics that we used um, just kind of as we broke down the song. And the song starts with the intro in which Jadena says, I don't want to have no more regrets. This is as good as it's going to get. You want to break that down? Yeah, I don't sure. want to say about that. So, this um, is something that I find where he was kind of contradictory. He was saying that he doesn't want to have regrets in life, so it's like he wants to do more, he wants to go for the things that he wants. However, he's also saying that it's not getting any better than what it is now. So it's kind of like a contradiction in, okay, so do you want to do more or are you stuck where you're at? And then he says, this is, oh, wait. <laughs> then he says, I'm in a sunken place. I'm in a hole. I need an Xbox here or I'll be all alone. Um, From that, I kind of got like, a sense of depression and just 
stagnant, being stagnant. Like, if you're in a sunken place and you're in a hole, like, you're kind of just stuck there. Like, you gotta try to get out or whatever. And then, most times when people feel like they'll be all alone, it's pretty much just them feeling like they have no one but them, even if he may have people by his side, people checking in on him, people like hanging out with him or whatever, he may still be feeling all alone. And if that's the case, then it could be from a source of like depression. Yeah. When I saw the second place, I just thought of the movie Get Out. Um, that was directed by Jordan Peele. Kind of just like that Same. idea of, <laughs> you know, in the movie it was kind of like the character was hypnotized in a sense and being controlled by others. So, and like losing uh, losing the ability of controlling their se- themselves. So I felt like that's what I connected it to, just being in a sunken place, being like in a deep dark place where you're no longer in charge of what you're doing and then when he brought up like the xbox and like he needs an xbox or he'll be alone i found that also another like contradiction in itself um usually people want people to not feel alone but he wants electronics like he wants a to video be, game specifically. Yeah, he wants to be connected electronically to the world to feel to not feel lonely anymore instead of wanting to be surrounded by a person. And then after the short intro, he goes into what Genius refers to as the pre chorus. Where he says, redneck, paddywhack, men are off home, and they want to shoot you on the next hot phone. From that, I kind of got like, I kind of saw it from a quite literal standpoint, and they want to shoot you on the next hot phone. I figured it was kind of like, when, for someone like him who's famous, when people see him, they want to take pictures and like just snap pictures of him maybe with him and most likely on like when I heard on the next hot phone I was thinking like okay well the latest new thing from phones makes sense I didn't really understand that part I guess I just found it weird and then he says yeah you better pass that smoking alone acting like a rapper better watch your tone that one I found interesting because he said better pass that smoking alone but if he is alone then Who's passing that? I thought that was more of like a telling someone to pass 
to pass it because they're acting like they're smoking alone. Uh, that one threw me for a loop. Yeah, I mean, I didn't give it that much thought. I just thought, oh, you're asking someone to pass that to not hog it. And then after that, when he was saying, like, the acting like a rapper, um, I found that part interesting because most people would think that as an artist, you would have free reign of what you say and, like, the words that come out of your mouth. So the fact that he was saying, like, you have to watch your tone because you're acting like a rapper. So it's like, be careful of like what you're saying because you're acting as if you have freedom of speech in a sense. Like you can say what you want without having any repercussions. But then that brought up the question of what is he trying to say by that? Is he trying to say that rappers can't say whatever they want or rappers can say whatever they want? What does it mean to have to watch your tone because you sound like a rapper? I feel like that meant that you can't say, like, he can't say whatever you want. Like, if you're acting like a rapper, you can't say whatever you want. You have to, because you're still in the spotlight, so you have to play coy to kind of what the general public can empathize with. So, if you have a very unpopular opinion, it's probably not wise even as a rapper to share that unpopular opinion because of how society and the media may take it. Makes sense. Like, That's what I think. Makes sense, like Kanye. I guess. <laughs> well, he shared his own personal thoughts and people rejected him for it. I'm not saying I agree with his personal thoughts, but still. Yeah. We'll move past Kanye. <laughs> Um, and then the next line, he says, everybody wants life to be like me while I'm be, while I'm busy being anybody but me. Or everybody. Huh? I got everybody. Everybody but me. Oh. Anybody but me. Oh, yeah. But, um, that, I feel like, is a significant line because... That means even though he's this established rapper, he, at this point in the song, he does not want to be the same established rapper that he has become. Yeah. I feel like it's just the idea of you always want what you don't have. People always want what they don't have. People always want to be who they aren't because it looks nicer on the other side. But he's saying, like, people want to be me, but I don't even want to be me, so. And that circles around back to the depression thing. Yeah. So I think, for like, so far, what you could kind of generalize about the song is that he is in a dark place at the time of this song. Yeah. Next he says Candyman and Candyman is so misunderstood 
run, running from the siren and he running from the hood. That I found very interesting because the movie Candyman, people always say like, oh, like he's like the boogeyman for the hood. And here it's like Jadena's saying kind of like Candyman is just someone trying to escape pretty much if that makes sense yeah I wrote down that basically the story of the Candyman like in the Candyman movie or whatever he actually was a slave in the movie he was a slave that was pursued by a white woman and the white woman was in a relationship with him when her family found out they lynched him and killed him and then his spirit basically came back to haunt the same white woman like a white woman from the same family that had him killed so I felt like that's where he was coming from with that whole idea of, you know, so misunderstood and running from the siren in the hood. Like, the uh, the whole idea of, you know, the Candyman story was a slave who was done wrong, and it was coming back from revenge. And then his whole ideology was just tied to seem like he's just some boogeyman or some monster, but... In reality, he's trying to seek justice for the wrongs that were done to him. And here, the hood could be understood as, like, the projects or the hood, or it could be, like, the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, so it's kind of like a double entendre. Yeah, so that whole idea was, where in the I movie... I was getting, like, the, the KKK. Yeah, like, in the movie, since he... The Candyman is, like, a former slave, and the reason that... He's called the Candyman is because when he was lynched, he was covered in honey and attacked by bees. So that's why he's known as, like, the Candyman, because of the sweet, the honey. So I feel like it was just that idea of people think that he's a monster, but they don't truly know where he's where he came from or what made him that way or why he's acting the way that he does. I think that was a very good synopsis of the movie <laughs> explaining that line and I agree um, so then he goes into the chorus where he says yes I will do whatever it takes to avoid my ultimate fate so this is interesting because even though he seems to be in a dark place he's still understands and he still realizes that he'd rather be in this dark place than meet death which is the ultimate fate yeah and it could be death or it could be failure like not succeeding you think so i mean yeah ultimate fate is also death but you know ultimate fate i feel like could also mean a lot of things your ultimate fate for your career, for your relationships, for your soul or your living person. Why do you believe that is failure? 
because I feel that the whole song is just kind of tracing a kind of negative thoughts that he has towards himself. And sometimes when you think so negatively of, of yourself and you're trying to avoid these things, what he's doing doesn't seem like he's trying to avoid death. It just seems like he's trying to avoid not succeeding, not being successful, losing himself or losing what he has, I guess. I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see that one. Yeah, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> but then he goes on to sing Pretty Afraid. I'm pretty and afraid. And then he kind of repeats it again. And he says, life is as hard as it comes to death. I took it as, as it's close to death. But still the same idea of the older you get, the harder life is. That's what I took that as. Same. I also took it as, like, I don't know how to explain it, but life is as hard as it's close to death. I feel like it's pretty much him saying, like, in some sense, life is hard until death. I guess. I mean, that was just what I got from it. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back into the pre-chorus, which is pretty much the same lyrics, except... This time around, he says, Candyman to Candyman is so misunderstood. Running in the wilderness and running in the wood. Uh-huh. What did you get for that one? I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. That one, I kind of... Because... That, wait, that wasn't the only thing that changed. Yeah, but you could finish about that one first, though. Okay. Because you already started talking about it. Okay. Well... When he said running in the wilderness and running in the wood, I felt I felt like that was just like a change of scenery. So like yes, the first time around you could picture like sirens and the hood. This time around it feels like he placed them in the wood, giving it Get in the woods, giving it more of like a a dark vibe to it. I can see that. Like placing placing a setting for the story. Yeah. And then the other part that changed in is is kids are getting laughed at. Damn, they're all alone. There we go. What do you think about that one? I mean, that one. I just kind of took that as like what society's like nowadays with the bullying problem that kids are facing at school like everyone says that bullying that they you know dealt with bullying when they were kids but I feel that there's a different level to it when you add like the social aspect that is in our societies now where so many of these young kids grow up seeing like social media as king and when you throw in social media to being bullied, it kind of, I feel, creates a whole nother level of just, you know, like fear, disassociation. Like, it's harder for kids to ignore a bully when a bully is everywhere they go. Like, so I just felt that 
you know, like him saying kids are getting laughed at. It's like, you know, kids are being bullied. They're being made fun of. And then he's just saying, like, they're all alone, too. Like, they have no one that can help fix their problem. Like, no place to go to. They feel that they have no one. I agree with that. And in that same note, I feel like it's also kind of saying, like, not only do they have, like, no... Like, there's kids out there that have no friends to help stand up for them. But I feel like it's also saying they don't even have the support from, like, some adults. Yeah. They don't have, like, older people to, like, stand by them and support them and help them through these things. Yeah, I could see that. Also, throughout his song, he doesn't really mention mothers, which I thought was also interesting. Like, he says, you know men are off home but he never mentions like a mother figure or anything like that so that could also add to that a whole idea of you know kids being laughed at and being lonely true and then he goes back into the chorus and then he goes into the outro where he says all I want is the way you look at others to be like the way you look at me with that I got like he he just wants to be seen as a human being, as an individual. I got, like, maybe he, he doesn't want to be, like, under the spotlight all the time. But I also got that maybe he wants society to see him as a black man the same way they see other races. Oh, that's nice to meet you. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, like he wants to be seen as someone, as an equal. I could see that. And then also for the pretty and afraid part, I just wanted to mention that um, it was like an interesting way for him to kind of mix calling himself, like saying that he's pretty and he's also afraid, but also saying pretty afraid, like I'm kind of scared, like I'm really scared, but also kind of like playing on those words yeah i just thought that was interesting i actually like that yeah that's one of the things that stood up to me when i first heard the song but yeah so that was pretty and afraid budget dinner off of his album 85 to africa yeah which was a really good album i still listen to it like beginning to end completely if you haven't heard it you should i think it's also very interesting how that album comes from a place of kind of like a self-search like a self i don't know like a self-journey that yeah. he had yeah um especially with like you know this is is it this is his second album so after his first album he was doing well and then he ended up getting like um losing basically a lot of what he had gained like losing he was his, evicted yeah losing his housing and stuff and it forced him to search within himself again. And he traveled to Africa. And he was there for a the, minute. The title of the album, 85 to Africa, touches upon the fact that he was living in Atlanta, where 85 is one of their known highways. And saying 85 to Africa, pretty much noting that he went from Atlanta to Africa within this journey. So in the album, you could kind of see how his music transforms throughout. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's a good album. It definitely is. I agree with that. 
And with that, we are done with episode 11. Um, as always, you can reach out to us if you like at our email, lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. That's L-Y-R-I-C-S and number four, L-U-N-C-H at gmail.com. Yeah, or Twitter, which is the same thing, just at Twitter, at Lyrics for Lunch. That's at L-Y-R-I-C-S, the number four, L-U-N-C-H. Yep. And with that, we sign out.